Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, friends. Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's 11 days until Christmas. Do I have that right? I do. And I'm thrilled that you're here with me because we have a lot to talk about today to look ahead to this weekend. Um, we have a great the word is pivotal, a very, very pivotal NFL weekend in which a lot of stuff is going to be decided. A lot of teams are going to tap out. A lot of teams are saying, we're here and we're not going anywhere. Also, we have to talk about, it's what we do in the NFL circles, the MVP race, but I don't want to talk about it after today. I think it's pretty much done and I'm sick of the contrived debate around it. I'll get into that. Also, a very pivotal NFL player, young player, defensive player, had a very controversial or maybe just unique opinion about superheroes. We're going to get into it. I spoke to him this morning and I took your own opinions. Plus we do say anything where we go to the Kyle Brandt's basement answering machine, press play, listen to the tape that you lunatics, the messages that you left us on that tape and I'll react to them. It's say anything holiday edition. You might also notice I'm standing here in the basement to start the show. For months I go over there. I go there in front of the little camera, but I come over here because I can't make free throws. Every um, show I start with a free throw, and I thought it would be a fun novelty. Maybe I did make it. Maybe I didn't. It's mostly didn'ts. Do you know this since we started the show? I am shooting 14 out of 43 from the free throw line over here to this basket. 14 out of 3. That is precisely 32.5%. My guy, my guy, Ben Wallace, 41.4% for his career Probably the worst free throw shooter of all time. A champion and a great guy, and you love him, but maybe the worst free throw shooter of all time, and he's laughing at me, significantly better than me, so we canned it, and now I'll just do what Ben did most of the time, and I'll just dunk it. And then I'll walk over here and say, let's get it started with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Welcome to the basement. My free throw shooting is kind of like the New York Giants. Start off the season really hot and then just go down in flames. That's my own original thought. I made that up. I tied to football. Uh, here's what I love this weekend, though. I love the seismic shift, we're going to call it. Seismic, like it's some sort of earthquake. Seismic shift we're going to see in the wild card standings this weekend. You want to know who's in and who's out? You tired of looking at those screens where it says division leaders, wild cards, in the hunt? You sick of that? We all are. We just want to have the playoff teams. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait to open our Christmas presents. We want to shake them and peel back the wrapping paper and see what the hell we got. This weekend goes a long way. Let me tell you why. All these teams are will they, won't they, bleep or get off the pot. It's time. It's time. Let me see what I mean. Uh, Seahawks host the 49ers this weekend. The Seahawks are currently the eighth in the NFC. That is not a good number to be. You want to be seven or lower. They are eighth in the NFC. They host the 49ers who are currently in the NFC playoff. That is the Thursday night game. That is tomorrow night. I said this weekend. Thursday night game. Seahawks hosting the 49ers. If you're the Seahawks, you got to say, all right, enough of this stupid Disney Channel movie with Mr. Irrelevant coming and turning into Joe Montana. Not on our field, not this night, not in our stadium, not in front of the 12s. Put an end to this thing. Seattle and San Francisco got a deep history. Much of that recent history involves Seattle's defense shutting down some 49ers quarterback that they coughed up most of the time. I mean, really, really great history that they have against them, up to and including a dramatic playoff win that resulted in a statue and Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree and just great history. Seattle, this thing's getting away from you a little bit. Pete Carroll, 
This thing's getting away from me a little bit. Would you like to join us in the playoffs? Do not let a rookie, I don't care where he was drafted, I don't care if he was first overall, don't let a rookie come into that stadium and start chucking the ball around and usher you out to the offseason. That is a big game. If Seattle's going to be in the NFC playoffs, they should win this weekend. Do it. This weekend. I keep saying this weekend. It's Thursday. It's tomorrow night. Next one. You know this one. Oh, yeah. Dolphins, sixth in the AFC. Currently sixth versus Bills. Currently one in the AFC. All right. So what's fun about this game is that if the Dolphins lose, oh, my God, three straight from the team that couldn't lose, and I and everybody else kept saying, Tua Tagovailoa, they've never lost the game that he started and finished this year. They're undefeated. No, they have. And they've gotten plastered a couple of the last times. And if they go up there to WNY and Poyer has two big two picks and, and Groot has a strip sack of Tua and the offense is doing their thing and, and Miami loses, oh, my God, look out. Panic. Three straight for them. That'd be five straight wins for Buffalo. And Miami just trying to find their way out of the AFC playoffs. Currently sixth, remember, sixth. If they lose this, big step backwards. Also, if my Dolphins, if the Dolphins win, the takes. Oh, my gosh. The Bills will have lost both games to Miami. They will have lost there in heat and here in the Hoth system. Probably a 90-degree deg- uh, temperature difference, and they've lost both. Never mind all that condition stuff. Can the Dolphins play in it? We're going to get into that later. I love weather football talk. Uh, big, big swing on this one, no matter who wins. I mean, if Miami wins, it's a shocking, huge flag-planting victory. If Miami loses, it's like, get your act together. I thought McDaniel was a boy genius. Next. All right, this is a good one. Nine versus nine. How symmetrical is this? The ninth seed in the NFC, the Detroit Lions, go to the ninth in the AFC, the New York Jets. So both these teams out, out by a, a, a pretty good distance. you got to be in the top seven, remember. Ninth Lions versus ninth Jets. Lions at Jets. Jets lose this game. See you later. Get out of here. Go join the, the New York Giants for teams that haven't won in forever. We'll get to the Giants in a second. I like the Jets. The Jets are so good, but you don't get credit for just being good. Everybody likes Mike White. Everybody loves Robert Sala. There's a lot of Garrett Wilson, Quinnen Williams. We love all those players. Great. Good for you. Win the games. you got to win, guys. I'm sorry. You almost beat Minnesota. You played tough against Buffalo. It doesn't mean squad. Beat the Lions at home. I don't care how many games they've won in a row. Jets, get it done. Same deal with Detroit. I love Detroit. You love Detroit. It's one of the stories of the past six weeks. You guys were terrible for two months. That was the story. So win this game or get out of here. Can't lose a game if you're already the ninth. Both these teams, certainly the Lions, really have to win out. Big stakes in that one. And lastly, Chargers... Eighth in the AFC, host the Titans, who are also in the AFC picture. This is the Do You Care Bowl. I'm branding it right now. What's your favorite bowl game? The uh, Poinsettia Bowl, the uh, Care.com Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Bowl. This is the Do You Care Bowl. Do you care about the Chargers? Do you care about the Titans? Do you care about either of them? Meaning, do you support them? Do you root for them? Do you root against them? Maybe two of the more apathetic teams nationally that there are. Sorry, but that's just what it is. I've talked about that a lot with the Titans. The Chargers have given us an entire lifetime of scar tissue of believing in them and letting them down. Maybe that's unfair to Justin Herbert. I don't really care. Chargers currently out of the playoff picture. Out. They're eighth. Titans sitting there. They haven't lost, haven't won in a few weeks, but they're still there because they're the Titans and what they do. 
Who would you rather have in the playoffs? I bet you would say the Chargers, right? Because everybody loves Herver's talent and he's fun to look at and the uniforms are cool and the Titans are always there. The Chargers are going to be in the playoffs. You're currently out. You can't lose to the Titans who have come off the tracks right now. Big, big game there. And then I, I lie. There's one more. The Giants. The Giants still have a playoff spot. How the hell do the Giants have a playoff spot? I feel like they have not won a game since Phil Simms was there. Do they ever win? <laughs> what happened to this team? They tied a game, and they've won one other one since Halloween. It's almost Christmas. Yeah, Hans Gruber is always down to Nakatomi Tower, and the Giants have one win since I was dressed up as Howie Long and got this stupid haircut that my hair's still growing out from. Can you win? You know who they visit? They visit the Commanders. Giants 7th in the NFC playoff. Commanders right there at 6. Two teams in it right now. That's Sunday night. Um, I was talking to Deron Payne this morning. Defensive lineman for the Commanders. And I say this all the time. The Commanders have the best branded D-line since like the New York Sack Exchange. They got terrors. Super talented guys named Payne, Sweat, and Chase. That sounds like hell. I don't want anything to do with the Commanders defensive line. I'm apologizing to them. I, just don't hurt me. Pain, sweat, and Chase. Uh, and Chase is looking like he's coming back. Chase Young, the guy who looked like he was going to be Reggie White, uh, meets Lawrence Taylor when he came out of Ohio State, has been injured for a long time. I feel like he's been out forever. And the Commanders are still sitting there at the sixth in the NFC and probably top to bottom their most talented player and most talented pass rusher hasn't even been out there. He may be coming back. How do you think Daniel Jones feels standing up against pain, sweat, and chase? Probably not great. I'm not sure Daniel Jones sweats or sees pain or has any sentient human emotion. He's sort of a cyborg, so maybe that'll work in his factor. But Chase coming back, I like the commanders in that game, I'll just tell you right now. The Giants just can't win a game, and the commanders are getting more talented. I like it. That's a big weekend, guys! Come on now! Let's get fired up for, what is this, week 57,000? No, it's 15. Long NFL season (laughs) up in these streets. But I love this weekend. That's why we call this segment What I Love. Let's get to what I hate. Three topics that I, uh, in species of topics in sports media that are not my favorite just because they're pretty rote and stock. Hall of Fame debates, uh, whining about officiating, and MVP debates, Hall of Fame officiating MVP. The thing is, I've been doing this enough times that uh, I do get a little bit of an eye roll factor with those topics because they're not creative at all, but they always get people talking. You ever want to go on a radio show, you ever hosting one, you want to get phone calls going? Just say, hey, anybody, are they an MVP? Lines, they'll start calling. Everybody has an opinion on it. Hey, did you see that call at the end of the Seahawks game last night? What'd you think? Ding, 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 ding. It's so easy. Just bang phone calls for the next three hours and collect your check. You're done. Same thing with MVP. That's becoming this way. The NFL is the only league I know of that starts having their MVP debates and their MVP watch list like week three of the NFL season. It is so obscenely early. There's an obsession with who gets the MVP trophy at the end of the year. And then it's like, not even, doesn't the playoffs don't even count? They get, this, they get the trophy and the speech and NFL honors, and it's kind of fine, and you get good for you, but there's a rabid obsession with it amongst online, social media, and all kinds of sports media about who wins the MVP. And this year is particularly interesting. 
because there's a reluctance I'm seeing to embrace Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts as the MVP. And I hate it. I really do. Maybe it's because everyone loves an MVP debate so much, and we're not really getting one, that everyone's saying, yeah, but Jalen Hurts, I don't know, is it over? Is he just a product of the team around him? I think that's what it is. I think way back in September, and maybe even back in the offseason, April and May, everyone said, oh man, the MVP race this year is going to be good. We have so many good young quarterbacks. It Could it be Allen? Could it be Mahomes? Could Lamar win a second? Joe Burrow's ready to take that thing. Justin Herbert, very talented. We had no idea what was coming from the Packers. Rodgers won two in a row. Could he win three in a row? My preseason MVP pick was Kirk Cousins. And now there's talk that maybe not is that's going to be right, but Justin Jefferson can make a run at this thing. And it's like, there's not really a debate, guys. There isn't. It's Jalen Hurts. He's been the best player on the best team by far. The stats are there. The big-time performances are there. It's, it's just done, and yet no one wants to let it be done. And there's a little piece of content that came out of the Von cast. Von Miller, who is, in addition to being, unfortunately, an injured Buffalo Bill, has a podcast, you might have seen it, the Voncast, catchy name, perfect, nailed it. Uh, he had um, he had this to say when he talked, Michael Parsons had this to say, the Cowboys uh, phenom, came out and kind of put the black hat on as a Cowboy, talking about the Eagles quarterback and the idea that he's the MVP. Go ahead. Is it Hurts or the team? <sighs> I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's... A- <laughs> I think it's, a little, it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I um, mean, Miles Sanders. They scheme that they, they scheme that they have. O line. I yeah. mean, bro, bro like, it, like, <laughs> and this Eagles Cowboys, this Eagles Cowboys coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I. I just like. I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like, I can't. I, I like. I like when things are off. I. I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. And I like that he does. I like that Micah Parsons is saying, yeah, I don't know, is, is Jalen Hurts the MVP or is he just on a really good team? I like it because Micah Parsons is a rival of the Eagles and his job and his paycheck comes from chasing down Jalen Hurts and stripping the ball from his hands. I like that he has a contrarian take. Good, he should. What's he supposed to say? Ah, oh, yeah, man. I don't know, that Eagles quarterback, our arch rival, he's the best player in the league. No, screw it. I like it. I like it coming from him. I don't like it coming from you. I don't like it coming from people on the radio. I don't like it coming from social media. There's a reluctance. What don't you like about Jalen Hurts? I know he has a good team. You're going to let the triumphs of Howie Roseman, his GM, take away from the achievements of Jalen Hurts on the field? Point to the bad game he's had this year. I'll save you the time. There isn't one. There isn't a game where he had that two turnover, no touchdown, loss, blew it at the end of the game, stinker. They have one loss. It was to the Commanders. They have a couple other games where he has not had massive stats or had to come on late as the offense. But guys, we're here in week 15. He's played a lot of games. He does not have a bad one. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions last week against the terrible Broncos. Josh Allen has had a few games where by his own admission, he has not played well at all in losses. Joe Burrow, same deal. Started 0-2, a couple other losses here. It's just, it, Jalen Hurts doesn't have it. And if you want to say, well, yeah, he's, 
He's got a super team around him, as if you can just roll the football out and be the quarterback of an alleged super team and win the MVP. The LA Rams had a Super Bowl super team last year, a super team and a Super Bowl team. Matthew Stafford was their quarterback. He led the NFL in interceptions. No one in the league threw more than Stafford. Jalen Hurts, now with a super team, has thrown three interceptions all season. Just three. He's thrown as many interceptions all season as Patrick Mahomes threw last week against the Broncos. And you want to say, yeah, does he win the MVP? Yeah, he wins the MVP. That's how it works. I, and maybe it's he's, don't tell me it's because he's too young in his career. I don't want to hear that. Patrick Mahomes won it really young, and he should have. Don't tell me because he has too much help around him. Do you want to go back and look at Peyton Manning's MVPs and take them away or hang an asterisk on them because he had, well, look, he's got Reggie Wayne out there. He's got Marvin Harrison, Edron James, Dallas Clark. That's a lot of good players around Peyton Manning. Come on. No, of course not. Peyton Manning had to split it one year with Steve McNair. Should you go and say that Steve McNair should have won it outright because he has lesser weapons than Peyton Manning? It's lame. It's lame. That's what you're doing to Jalen Hurts and just saying, wait, 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 wait. Listen, I think this thing is 90% over that you could write his name in it right now with one, one little caveat. He has a game against the Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons on Christmas Eve. If he somehow breaks character and comes out drunk and lays an egg and has three turnovers and they lose that game in front of what might be 45 million people watching it, then he might be screwed because the media is too powerful in this. The optics, the, the impression that he leave in that game, if he leaves that kind of impression, he may blow it. But all he has to do is hold serve, have a decent game, pro probably win, maybe even if you don't and play well, I still think he's got this thing. And I don't even feel that passionately. I'm not on my top of my soapbox screaming for Jalen Hurts. I'm screaming against anybody's reluctance to give it to Jalen Hurts because he allegedly has too good of a team or he is too young in his career, or these other guys were supposed to win it, or you're mad that it's not more interesting coming down the stretch like you thought it was going to be, and it's going to go down to week 18 in an MVP race. No, it's not coming down to week 18. I think it went down to week 13, and he was too good, too smooth, too seamless. Jalen Hurts is your MVP, and short of some sort of massive, massive regression, it's going to be him. I don't think anybody's catching him. He didn't have to come back to the pack. And based on every single thing we have seen all season, that ain't happening. I hate the idea that we're trying to take this away from him or trying to say, let's, let's wait, wait. Don't wait for anything. Write his name in there now. Watch the Cowboys game and then write it in pen. That's what I hate. Let's get to... Oh, this is a good one. Let's get to what's hilarious, my friends. Come on. Uh, this morning on the Good Morning Football program uh, on your NFL network, on your dial, we have Patrick Queen on. Patrick Queen, great young linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. He and Roquan Smith are certainly the most intimidating tandem in the league right now at linebacker, maybe overall the best, too. And they got the Ravens in a playoff spot right now, and their quarterback's hurt, but the defense is holding it down. And I like Patrick Queen a lot because just a good player. He's got a good way about him awesome linebacker at LSU and he's been kind of fitting into that mold of the Ravens defenders before him and great tradition there as you know especially at linebackers so like the guy a lot root for him he had come on good morning football a year and a half ago this is like off season 2021 
And I had seen somewhere online or in social media that he was way into Marvel, superheroes, all that stuff, as many of us are, myself included. And he had a take where his favorite Avenger, all of them, his favorite Avenger was Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Now, this was even before the Hawkeye show. Not Iron Man, not Thor, none of them, Hulk, on and on and on and on and on. Hawkeye, the Jeremy Renner archer who doesn't really have powers other than super accuracy and is fit but not jacked and doesn't get a ton of story. But I don't know, it's just like it's such an alternative choice. So that was a year and a half ago he said that. Came back on today and uh, I asked him, been a long time since we talked about it, I'm fascinated. Are you going to stand by your man and is Hawkeye, of all the choices, still your favorite Avenger? And then I had a little brushback from him, too, from social media. Take a listen. I still stand by Hawkeye is my guy because he's just a normal person uh, that goes toe-to-toe with superheroes. Uh, obviously, just the bow and arrow guy switched to the, the sword and stuff. So, I mean, he's just a different guy, just a normal guy doing what superheroes do. So, I stand by Hawkeye. I love that you stand by Hawkeye. It's everyone could say Iron Man and Cap and Thor. I have to say though, our um, our staff tweeted out your opinion a year and a half ago. You retweeted, it, and one of the responses comes from a tweeter named Senior Bob. And Senior Bob challenged you by saying, "Don't nobody but regular ass aliens be getting done up by Hawkeye." <laughs> LOL. The main villains don't even be worried about that man. Your response to Senior Bob? <laughs> I think I, I don't know. I, the aliens, they, they'd be fighting, I think, but pretty much do anybody in. So uh, to say Hawkeye ha- handle his own and actually put the team on his back, I think it says enough about Hawkeye. <laughs> it's a great clip. Obviously, Senior Bob, wherever you are, the star of the clip. If you missed that, <laughs> Senior Bob was passionate about Hawkeye and saying, uh, I don't know, don't nobody be fighting him except regular ass aliens. I think his point was um, Hawkeye is out there in the streets of New York shooting down those pawns in the chess game of the Thanos invasion. But, you know, at the end of the whole uh, climactic franchise, when when you know Cap and Thor and Iron Man at Al are fighting the big dog Thanos, like Hawkeye's nowhere to be found. So that guy's like, you like him? He's just he's only just fighting with like the the crappy guys, the entry level, the foot soldiers. But Patrick Queen standing by his take. I will say that I don't agree with his take. Hawkeye doesn't do a ton for me, and he's like, well, he's just a regular guy with no powers out there. I, I don't know about you, like. When I watch uh, an Avengers movie, I like the powers. That's why That's why I'm watching. They got a guy who can wield lightning. It's pretty badass. They got a guy in a suit that he made that can fly around and shoot stuff out of his chest. Like, kind of into that. That's, that's what gets me going there. But, um, I mean, I'm there for the powers. I, re- I, I like the powers. They have this guy who turns into this huge green dude and can, like, smash things. Kind of why I'm buying a ticket. Not a guy who shoots a bow and arrow. But, again... If you're into the normal guy who doesn't have power, like, I think pretty much the goat of the normal guys is Batman, but that takes us outside of Marvel. I just love that Patrick Queen will go on television and say, yeah, man, Hawkeye. That's, all right, of all the flavors, that's like someone being like, you know what, best ice cream flavor of all time, butter pecan, yeah. And you're like, what? 
You know there's other flavors. Like, have you ever tried chocolate chip cookie dough? I'm not saying butter pecan's bad. I'm not saying I don't like Hawkeye. But, like, there's some really uh, tantalizing flavors in the Marvel Universe. Um, but, again, I respect it. Also begs the, to the question, do you have a, a, a polarizing or even unique or even, a, let's just, offensive opinion on the superhero world, Marvel world, expanded, DC, anything like that? Mine is, uh, I always had trouble rooting for Captain America. It's my wife's favorite Avenger for reasons I think have more to do with Chris Evans than Captain America. Um, but it's just, I, I always had a problem with it that, all right, you take this unfortunate little skinny kid who just wants to serve his country and it can't because he's got issues physically, and that sucks. But they just, like, juice him up. They, they come with a serum and just injected into him and all of a sudden he's got massive muscles and can run really fast what does that sound like to you <laughs> it just sounds like every like mitchell report um i'm thinking of mcguire and sosa rafael palmero all those guys i mean he just comes I, I don't know i i don't like it i'm not saying that steve rogers is a bad guy i think he's a great guy i it, it seems a little bit of a cheat to me that the government came up with a serum and then put an A on his hat, and the A might as well stand for anabolic. Like, I just, the origin story. Captain America, great virtues, you know, great hair, all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I always had a problem with him. It, it, it eats away at me. And it's like when Tony Stark says to him, everything that's special of you came out of a bottle. It, it's kind of true. Um, but we asked for your unpopular super, super, not Super Bowl, superhero, unpopular Super Bowl opinions. Really, I technically, I think there was holding on the David Tyree uh, catch that uh, get the Giants to win. No, unpopular superhero opinions, and boy, did you have some. They came in. Let's go. Let's run them down. All right, my guy Rushmore, 307. Thor was too soft and not badass enough in the last Avengers movie and the last Thor movie. Also, I want to see Hulk grow the more angry he got the way he's supposed to. All right, the Thor thing, I know what you mean, in that the Chris Hemsworth character of Thor, here's what happened with that. Hemsworth is so good at the comedy and the light stuff and the physical humor that Marvel really ran with that. And it kind of became a lot. When they go, and now Thor's fat, and now's this. Like, sometimes you just want to see Thor kick a little more ass, and I understand that. Guy with the big muscles, hit somebody with a hammer. Then he lost his hammer, got a new hammer. I just think that Hemsworth was so good at the other stuff that they leaned into it, and it is very popular, and people like it. Uh, and I know from the comics, Hulk gets bigger and bigger, and I think darker and greener as he gets more angry. That's not something they could pull off. Um, the Hulk character is pretty cool, I guess. That's not my favorite either. Next, Steve. All right, so this is interesting, because Patrick Queen, Ravens linebacker, said he likes that um, Hawkeye doesn't really have powers outside of insane accuracy, and that's why he likes them. Steve says it makes a good point. Black Widow is in line with the answer that Patrick Queen gave. She doesn't have any superpowers. She kicks the bleep out of everyone, and not to mention sacrifices herself for the greater good. Steve, uh, a.k.a. at Bill's car guy. Great answer. Uh, Natasha, she her, her superpower is, you know, she's a spy, which is not a superpower, and she is a good fighter. Again, not a superpower. Um, so she can't fly. She can't control lightning. She doesn't have a serum of her own. She doesn't turn green and get, when she gets pissed off. None of that stuff. She's just uh, very smart and very determined. And she does, at the end, sacrifice herself. So if Patrick Queen, if that's what he likes in Avengers, 
I would think Black Widow would be way, way up there, especially since she sacrifices herself right there in front of Hawkeye, who does try, but she wins. Next. That's a good opinion. That's a good retort to Patrick Queen. All right, Blaze and KC. <laughs> what is this? His, his unpopular Super Bowl... His, God dang, I keep saying that. His unpopular superhero opinion is... Batman is too moody. Be a superhero or don't. Just quit whining about it. Blaze. His parents were murdered in front of him. This is the heavy burden that he carries. I don't think it's moodiness. I don't think he's in a bad mood. They got shot right there in the streets of Gotham, right in front of him. He was left with this old man to take care of him and this legacy to live up to and this company to run. I mean... He's whining about it because he has no parents, he has no identity, he has no personal life. He has to go out at night and fight people with his bare hands. Like, I, I think we can give Batman a little, a, a little uh, room to be moody. I, I'm not necessarily going to do a referendum on, Batman, why are you always so annoyed all the time? Chin up, man, just be happy. This whole deal is like, I, I have a very, very heavy burden on me. The, the origin story of Batman is, is not pretty. In fact, I think Bruce Wayne and Batman do a pretty nice job keeping their chin up. Rico, 113-1113. All I know is that Ant-Man is the absolute worst. Hopefully Kang rids the MCU of that clown. Hey, I'm an Ant-Man guy. Um, name drop city. I'm friendly with Paul Rudd, who is just every bit the, the, the wonderful person you always hear he is. The coolest hang, the greatest guy. He built Ant-Man from the ground up. Ant-Man 3 is coming out. And Ant, what I like, you, you think he's the worst. Ant-Man is self-aware. He knows. He's like, it's ridiculous that he's Ant-Man. There's even a line. There's an Ant-Man now. Um, I, I, I will never, I won't stand for any Ant-Man thing. And I like the effects of growing up and getting small. And he whips ass at the, at the airport. It's amazing. Next, unpopular superhero opinions. Brian Webb says, I agree that Captain America is hard to root for. He isn't bulletproof. And after all these years, nobody has ever been able to shoot him. Come on, man. It's a great point. It's not like that shield covers his whole body. If you were fighting Captain America, wouldn't you just have this whole plan that when he attacks us, we're going to shoot him in the feet? I would just, every all my soldiers, all of them, Hydra, whoever, I'm, just we're going to practice on those targets for the day that Captain America like attacks our fortress. Just shoot him in the feet. Just right at the ground. And you put a couple in Cap's feet, he's not going to be able to run around anymore, take that shield, bust him over the head with it. The shield is what? Two and a half feet wide, two and a half feet in diameter, and yet he's able to conceal his whole body from World War II era machine gun fire and contemporary machine gun fire. Shoot him in the foot. See you later. Good opinion. Brian Webb next. After that. Is that it? Oh, that's it. No, no, no. 20, uh, Jeff the Barbarian. Great handle. Bucky is the worst character of them all. He's a complete liability. But you're forgetting that Bucky has cool hair and a silver arm. That pretty much makes the whole character. I'm not into Winter Soldier guy or Bucky that much. But that arm does look pretty sweet. And in the superhero world, all you need is a silver arm and some long hair and people will root for you. Last one. Let's, let's end it on a good one. Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> PNW Bills. That was their tweet. There are some, there is like a Thanos hive out there. That amuses me. And there was, it amuses me when the first um, <laughs> uh, Avengers <laughs> Age of Ultron or, no, the, the, one, the semi the last one. There was um, like a, a section of the internet that thought Thanos was sexy, like that he was thick and like hot. And there were people making memes about how hot Thanos was. Always cracked me up. 
Did Thanos do nothing wrong? I don't know. He, you know, ex- exterminated the three billion people. I hear you, but I don't hear you. That's the kind of opinion that we want. That was perfect. Thanos did nothing wrong. Nah, it's fine. Tore the families apart. Traumatized all those people. Everything must be balanced. Just like Kyle Brand Spaceman. We have balance right now. We go from unpopular superhero tweets to one of our favorite segments. It's called Say Anything. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Uh, The Ultimate Warrior and I are with our John Cusack ripoff with the Rubik's Cube on the t-shirt. And we have an answering machine here. It's a real thing with real cassette tape. We have to delete it, delete the tape after you guys fill it. But we give you out the phone number, 252-4-BRANTS. 252, the number four, and Brant, my last name, 252-4-BRANT. You call, you leave a message, and then say anything. It's not like, well, give us a take on this game or this player or sports media or anything. Just say anything, any opinion, any story, any question. You can't be wrong. And you guys called, a lot of you did. So we're gonna go to the answer machine, uh, as usual with all the segments that we do. I don't preview the stuff. I've never heard this before. I don't know what they have to say. I hear it blind and raw with you. So in the say anything answer machine we go, and the first message on the tape comes from the state of Florida a guy named Scott. Scott, say anything. Hey, Kyle, it's Scott. I had a question for you regarding Christmas lights, holiday lights. How long do we keep them up? My brother takes his down directly the day after Christmas. I am keep them on till New Year's. What's your thoughts? Well, your brother's crazy. The day after Christmas, you're going to go out and take him down. <laughs> easy. Easy, Scott's brother. Why don't you just do it Christmas night so you can do it and go to bed and rest easy? That's... <laughs> Who does that? Don't do that. It's, it's fine. I, if you feel that obsessive about it that you can't see a Christmas light the day after Christmas, I feel the same way, like, after Christmas on December 26th, I can't listen to Christmas music. I'm not listening to the, the holiday station or anything. It's just, it ends on Christmas night. But the lights, I, I, I just give it, give yourself a little time. That day after Christmas, you're probably lethargic. You probably have a lot of other work to do. I don't know if you're a family man, but a lot of stuff with the kids, and, you know, the papers, and the, you got to get all the old toys out because the new toys are coming in. And there's just a lot of stuff to do, a lot of cleanup in the kitchen. You don't want to get outside and take the Christmas lights down. And plus, it's not going to piss off your neighbors or anything like that. If you have to do it yourself just for closure on Christmas, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But listen, um, this year, this is what I'll I'll tell you right now. Christmas is on a Sunday. Christmas is Sunday, December 25th, which means New Year's Day is also on a Sunday. Um, I would try to do it. I would try to do it before New Year's Day. I'm going to try to take mine down on New Year's Eve. It's going to be Saturday afternoon, the 31st. And so I don't have to worry about it on Sunday. 
Uh, I can watch football, do whatever I want. I can be a little hungover. I have to go outside and climb up the ladder and almost kill myself. But yeah, like anything longer than two weeks is just dumb, especially if they're still coming on. Don't do that. This is a very simple thing. I think you have a two-week limit from Christmas. From the time you go to bed on Christmas night, you have two weeks. And I will tell you now, let's do it together. Let's have a little solidarity. I'm taking down our Christmas lights, and by me doing it, I'm saying my wife does. She just loves that stuff. She will do it, and I will help in any way she needs me to. December 31st, guys. Let's get them down. Let's get them down. Play all Auld Lang Syne. Pop the champagne. And we can start the new year fresh, okay? Next up, we go to Buffalo. We usually do in this segment at least once. A uh, young lady named Alicia say anything. Hey, Kyle. This is Alicia calling in from Buffalo. I'd like to talk about Elf on a Shelf. I am a mom, so I yep. do understand the whole magic and Christmas spirit for the kids. But seriously, who thought that a doll who roams your house at night, messes with your stuff, and watches you all day would be a fun and magical tradition for children. I'm sorry, but if I was a child still, that would be terrifying for me. It is just creepy. I know some may disagree. Terrifying. Anyways, go Bills. Thank you, Alicia. Good luck against the Dolphins on Saturday night. Does anybody like Elf on a Shelf? I know a lot of people do it, and there's thousands, probably millions of people in this country who do the elf in a shelf, little satanic elf who sits up there, sometimes on the shelf, sometimes on a chair, and I don't, I didn't grow up doing it, I don't do it now, but as I understand it, it moves around every night and you have to find them. All I ever hear is people complaining about it. All I ever see is memes making fun of it, and memes whining about it. Is there anyone out there who's like, oh, we love Elf on a Shelf. Our kids get so excited and we love hiding it and it's just one of our favorite Christmas traditions. We love Elf on a Shelf. I did it when I was a kid. I loved it. My kids, when their parents will do it for their kids, they'll love it. It's just this constant negative deal. And I don't do it. We have our own relationship with elves in our family in that we have this world in which my two children have elves that are from the North Pole that are each assigned to them, and they look over them. And one of them is named Lucky, and one of them is named Jingle. And Lucky and Jingle, we just kind of talk about them, that they're around, you know, sometimes you have to say, oh, they're watching, so, you know, clean up your room. Or sometimes you have to say, you know, I know that they're really excited for Christmas, and then once or twice during December, Lucky and Jingle will make an appearance, and when the kids get back from school or get back from dinner or whatever, Lucky and Jingle come to their bedrooms and they leave them like a little present, like a candy cane or something, and a note from Lucky and Jingle say, you're doing a great job and we're watching and make sure to, you know, have good manners and, you know, Santa's really excited. It's great. Um, but that's just a little one-off. There's no physical presence of Lucky and Jingle. And, I, you know, it's fun. I get really creative with it. Sometimes I leave the window open a little bit like they went out the window and it gets, it gets a little weird too, but <laughs> I don't do the Elf on the Shelf. All I hear about it from other people is that they don't like it or wish they didn't have to do it. So if you don't want to do it and you're have, going to have kids soon or uh, you have young kids who haven't gotten into it, just don't do it. Just because you grew up doing it, if you hate it, stop. And I'd like to hear from someone who loves Elf on the Shelf, who swears by it. That's what I'd like to see on the next Say Anything. Elf on the Shelf Twitter. Elf on the Shelf people. Weigh in. You're under attack, guys. I'd like you to defend yourself. Last call and Say Anything. Kansas City. 
Let's go to Kansas City, and um, who I'm assuming is a gentleman, DJ from Kansas City, say anything. Kyle, how's it going? Happy holidays. DJ in Kansas City. Wanted to call with one of my all-time favorite growing up family traditions. I don't know if it's Colombian, South American, whatever, but it was called the money tree. And uh, my aunts and uncles would put dollar bills, $5 bills inside the Christmas tree. Um, We had two uncles, Diego and Joaquin. Never knew what they did. I think I do now. But they'd come and they'd put $100 bills, a couple $100 bills in the Christmas tree. All the cousins would go bananas after the money. They'd give us the signal and then we'd go after this tree. Uh, Of course, the tree would be completely demolished by the end of it, but everyone was in search of Diego and Tio Waco's money. Um, Yeah, it made no sense that we would destroy Christmas trees, but it was fun going after cash. Don't know if anybody else had that tradition, but uh, that's one I'll always remember. Have a good one. See ya. DJ, I don't think anybody else has that tradition. You have a good one, too. Thank you for the call. I don't know what the hell I just heard. <laughs> Tio Diego used to hide $100 bills in the trees? And you started by saying, I don't know if it's Colombian. And then you went into, I didn't know what they do for a living. Now I think I have an idea. <laughs> Are you going where I think you're going? What kind of family did you grow up in? In Kansas City? Or maybe you haven't always lived there. No, I can't say that there was a time in the old Brant family growing up where, you know, we would hang our chimneys, hang our, hang our stockings by the chimney with care. And before we got to those visions of sugar plum dancing in our heads, my mom would say, all right, kids, gather around. It's time. It's that special time of year. I have hidden $20,000 in hundreds inside the Christmas tree. Go get it. And my sisters and I and my brothers, we would just tear into the tree like rabid serial killers trying to get the $100 bills. I was seven years old once. I brought back $16,000 out of that tree. It was incredible. I don't know where it came from. Some of the money had blood on it. Some of it had some other things, but I got it and I put it away. And man, I had so much money. I bought so many garbage pail kids cars and so many Nintendo games. That was part of our tradition. It was cool. It was really cool. We build a snowman and we hang Christmas lights and we do a gingerbread house and then we would put like thousands of dollars in the tree and we would go get it. Is it possible, are you, maybe Tio Diego was hiding the money in the tree? Like from, from the authorities? I don't know. You put me down a weird path. Some sort of nefarious thing was going on and when you said, I think I know what they do without saying it, I can only follow you so far, DJ in Kansas City. It sounds like there was really fun and I bet if you looked around that house, if they're putting $100 bills in the tree, what else is hidden around that house? Oh my gosh, like I was lucky if, if like somewhere in my house I would find like an old Playboy or something. That was my $100 bill. But no, we don't have $100 bills in the trees. That sounds like one hell of a Christmas. Are you guys watching thinking that that was as crazy as I am? That was nuts. I like the call, DJ. I want you to call more. I need to hear more about you and uh, Tio Diego and I don't remember the other guy's name. But uh, please, call us more. That was why you do say anything. Because you guys always will say anything. Anything. Feliz Navidad, Tio Diego. Until then, let's get to uh, mi hermano. His name is Michael Flynn with something that we call Brant Awareness.
Flynn, how many hundreds do you have hidden in your Christmas tree for the kids? Uh, none. Uh, Tio Diego and Tio Joaquin was the other name. Uh, I think they, I think they're the kind of guys who are really good time if you're on their good side, but not so much if yeah. you're on their bad side. Yeah, it's like Uncle Paulie and Goodfellas. Like we can't wait to go to Tio Diego's. Uh, we do this segment because we cover a lot of stuff in the show open, but there's always some like little nuggets and headlines and stuff that I didn't get to cover, and we want to be aware of. So what do you got? Yeah, let's start in Buffalo with that Saturday night game. Huge AFC showdown on a great Saturday of football games, but up to seven inches of snow expected right. in Buffalo. Are you buying this as an advantage for the Bills, or are you sick of all this weather advantage talk? Never. I never get sick of it. I love weather in football. You know, it's kind of one of the things that I, that makes football fun and so unique in that there's, it's the only sport that we really are into in America here where there's a home field advantage based on not crowd noise or not distance or time zone or elevation, just weather. There, look, there is no home court advantage for the Denver Nuggets because they got a bunch of snow in the mountains. Or It's just that you go inside, you play the basketball game. It doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees or 100 below. It doesn't matter. Hockey, same thing. There's no... Well, it's wet out there because of all the rain. It's just ice. Baseball, not really. Maybe it's hot in the early season or mid-season games. Maybe it's a little cold for the World Series. But they're not running around much, and the pitchers and catchers have to work out. But that's about it. Football, it's a massive deal. You know, I, my, my nine-year-old loves football, and he's just keeping starting to learn about it. And I coach these, these third and um, fourth graders in flag football. And... We were out at practice, and uh, they're having coming off baseball season all summer, and it starts raining pretty hard in practice, and they're like, oh, all right, so practice is over, we have to go, and all us dads were coaching, like, hell no, baseball season's over, kids, it's football season. It's awesome. I love it. Who doesn't love a weather game, a massive weather game? Getting that big old snow globe NFL game that you're watching on your couch, it's, it's not quite the same as getting a snow day when you were a kid but as an adult that's as close as it gets the pure excitement that this beautiful frozen frosty precipitation is going to make your life better when you were a kid you get to stay home from school when you're sitting on the couch you get to see incredible images of players bouncing to and fro through the snow and more importantly some players not being able to handle it i love it i love weather talk especially for dolphins and bills much better than it would be for Dolphins or for Bills Ravens or Bills Bengals or Bills Patriots, because the Dolphins are like Bienvenido a Miami. It's just like South Beach. It's like this this massive massive contrast. So yeah, I hope they get 16 inches of snow, and I do think it'll be a factor. You know, when Josh was on on Monday, he's his whole thing was you can't just drop down in it. You have to train in it week after week after week. And you're accustomed to it. I, I totally get it. Listen, I was born and raised in Chicago. Then I moved to California for years. It's not this BS where it's in your blood. When I would come back from California and get out of, walk out of the doors in O'Hare and I hadn't been to Chicago for a while, I was knocked on my butt. I couldn't take it. It wasn't because I grew up in Chicago. So I'm getting soft in California for all those years. I do think it'll be a factor. It's funny. My boy, Peter Schrager, is working the sideline, the Dolphins sideline for this game. And he's like, man, I'm all over it. I'm going to cover... Who, how many heaters do they have? Who's using the heaters? What level are the heaters turned up to? Turned, like who, who's who's not using the heaters? Who's got long sleeves? It's so fun. You know, we, we see hundreds of NFL games every single year. Most of them are just about oh, who can get the run game going and cut down on turnovers. Weather shows up. It's awesome. Awesome. 
And the story will be, if Tua doesn't play well, I pulled it up this morning. I had like empirical evidence about Tua Tagovailoa. In the four coldest NFL games he's played in his career, he's lost all four of them, and he has not played well. The touchdown interception thing is way off. I looked it up. Tua Tagovailoa, I'll have you know, played college football in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. In Tuscaloosa today is 68 degrees. Tua Tagovailoa played high school football in Honolulu, Hawaii. In Honolulu today, it's 80 degrees. In Buffalo today, it's 21. I looked it up. That's a big difference. And any time he has been asked to play in the cold, he has lost. And he has not played well. He has lost because of his own play. Of course I think it's a factor. Hell yes, it's a factor. You know who I hope is a factor, Flynn? Never mind Tua Tagovailoa. I hope Squirrel Winter is a factor. That's the man who saved Buffalo. That's the man who saved Christmas. And we may need him to plow out some driveways again this week. And I hope we do. Also might be the person who sent Josh Allen a Game of Thrones chess set. We'll find out on Tuesday. Uh, let's move on, but let's stick with the Dolphins. Tyreek Hill, always good for a soundbite. He was on the squad cast with Full Squad Gaming and was asked for his opinion on why kickers miss so often. Let me know what you think of what he said. All right. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, bro. Kickers and punters and long snappers, they don't practice, bro. They only come out do, doing it doing their special team spirit. And, like, when they come out, bro, they, they do, like, five kicks and then they go play ping pong or something. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely right. And this is not the first time I've heard something like this. There's, there's a real healthy class system in the NFL, and it has to do with um, 51 guys on a team. And then the other two, the kicker and the punter. And maybe it's 53 with the long snapper. Yeah, maybe it's three guys. Uh, Steve Smith Sr., a guy who I absolutely adore and I get to be colleagues with on NFL Network, is not here for the kicker talk. I tried to tell him once, I was trying to sell this crazy take, that if you, pound for pound, Justin Tucker is the best player in the whole league. No one is better at their position than Justin Tucker is at his position. I was just trying to think of something different to say. And Steve wanted to kill me. He did not like it. He's a kicker. He's a kicker. And he played with Justin Tucker. And I think he really likes him as a guy. But he just wasn't here for it. And neither is Tyreek. And yet it's such an interesting thing. Because I think there's this healthy lack of respect for kickers. In that they don't have to put the same work in. And they get a different system. They don't have to run around and practice and get hit. They just kick a few times go play ping pong. And I think they get their chops busted a lot. And they're looked at differently. And yet... Without kickers, you're not winning squat, you're not getting to the Hall of Fame, you're not winning the division, you're not getting your, your, your bonus check, all that stuff. They, they laugh at them and say they don't do nothing, and then at the end of the game, they're, like, they're on their knees holding hands with their teammates, hoping that this ping pong player can make this thing from 53 yards with a crosswind. It's, not, it's a crazy identity that kickers have in the league, and I think Tyreek speaks for a lot of guys. Some of the kickers are good guys, I know a few of them. I mean, Justin Tucker's a great guy. Brandon McManus of Broncos is a great guy. Just name a couple. Mason Crosby. But the, unless you've been there for a long time, you're just looked at as the second-class citizen. A second-class citizen that has to save the entire organization at the end of the game. So it's always going to be weird. Um, it used to be way weirder. And the kicks used to go out there with one bar. Some of you used to go out there barefoot. They didn't even look like football players. At least now the aesthetics have come a long way. But Ty- Tyreek says what a lot of things are people are, people are feeling for is there has there ever been in the history of the NFL an inanimate object that's received more press than the Miami Dolphins ping pong table? Yeah, uh, the New York Giants kicking net during Odell was a big yeah. deal, huge deal. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, Thurman Thomas lost his helmet at the beginning of the Super Bowl and missed like a couple series. The helmet got of a lot of attention. Um, the part of leather that was ripped off Janet Jackson's chest got of a lot of attention. Look, we can keep going. But your point is this. There needs to be a 30 for 30 about uh, the ping pong table of the Miami Dolphins. Um, and I don't know what the catchphrase is. What if I told you that what really, you know, something, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. But it's a great question. It's a big, big deal. If they win the Super Bowl somehow this year, there needs to be the ping pong table on the parade floor through South Beach. Amazing. Uh, speaking of things that people want to watch, Avatar, The Way of Water, opens yeah. this weekend. Expected to rake in over $500 million over its opening weekend. Are you excited, Kyle? I am. Yeah, I am excited. A um, couple of reasons. I do like the first one. It seems like it was out when I was in eighth grade, but I do like the first one. I'm in on James Cameron. Weird, mercurial, difficult James Cameron. Doesn't have a lot of whiffs. Really, very, very few. And doesn't have a lot of movies, doesn't churn him out. When he puts his name on something, he puts his work ethic into it, I think it really delivers. And um, I was tentatively interested. Then I saw the reviews and some of the reviews early on from people who really have no stake in it, just people who have gotten to see it and have a Twitter account saying it's not only good, it's, it's fantastic. So I'm into that. Another reason is uh, I go to Disney World every once a year with my family and there's the Avatar rides. Now, if you've been there and if you know, or if maybe you're interested in going, as I know you are, Flynn, here's what I'll tell you. There are two Avatar rides in Disney World. They're both in the Wild Kingdom Park. Avatar Flight of Passage, you get locked into this thing and you put the virtual reality deal and it's just an amazing three-dimensional flight through Pandora. It's an excellent ride. Really unique, great, worth the line, whatever you have to do. One of the coolest rides in, I think, all of Disney World. Great. There is the Pandora River Cruise, um, another Avatar ride that's actually right next door to the Flight of Passage. Sucks. Do not go on it. It is crappy Jungle Cruise. I hated that ride. My daughter and I, just the two of us, we split up as a family, and my daughter and I went on the River Cruise. It was just boring. It's it's It doesn't feel like they put a lot into it. I did not care for it, and it is far inferior to Flight of Passage. So, Flynn, I know you're a Disney World guy. Go to the Flight of Passage. Amazing. Skip the River Cruise unless you're just really feeling the Avatar. Last reason, and I'll tell you this, Flynn, I remember there were these people when Avatar became the highest grossing movie ever who were, like, going to see it three times a day every day for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks and who wanted to live on Pandora and who, like, wanted to believe that they were the Na'vi and they wanted to adopt that life and they got way into it and, like, psychologically addicted to Pandora. And I always got a huge kick out of that and, like, I liked laughing at those people. So those people are really fired up. I'll just be there as a regular consumer. Where do you come out on this whole thing? I mean, speaking of 30 for 30s, I want to figure out where those people are now and see what their lives are like. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw the original Avatar way back then, and like you said, we're planning a Disney trip and going to Animal Kingdom, so I want to watch it again and revisit it. I don't remember being blown away by it, but it's definitely on the watch list yeah. soon. I need to see it before I go down there. 
Um, hit that flight of passage. You'll thank me. Uh, my nine-year-old did it the last time. He loved it. Great ride. Those people who want to like live in Pandora are those people who walk around like as actual Jedi's with the robes on, and they practice Jedi religion. There's a real group of people that does that too. Uh, those are the kind of people who call our segment called "Say Anything." Flynn, great job today. We have one more show this week. I'm going to throw a dart. We'll see you tomorrow. Skycam, if you please. I'm going to go and grab a dart. I'm going to get a number. I'm going to end the show with a little ad-libbed little ditty about whatever topic this number corresponds to. The number today is nine. Nine. What is topic number nine for the people at home? What do you got? Conspiracy theory you most believe in. Okay. Let me grab the sky cam here. Say uh, goodbye to the Ultimate Warrior and Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. You know, uh, if you look at the greatest hits, Oh, like the moon landing. No, I'm out on that. The um, Roswell, maybe. Don't really care. Um, I don't really believe in many of them at all. I, I, I'm not. I'm not someone who who questions as maybe as as much as others or as much as I should. Some of the big dogs, like all that 9/11 stuff. I, I don't. I don't spend much time with it. Um, some of the more controversial ones. I just got other things to do. I've said this before, and this is an absurd answer to this question. I still believe there's a dead ghost kid in the movie Three Men and a Baby. Still believe it. Will always believe it. Don't want to be told otherwise. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to retell the whole thing. But in that movie back in the 80s, Tom Selleck, Ted Dance, and Steve Gutenberg, the story is that there was a kid who died in that apartment and that you can see him in the background as Ted Danson's talking to his mom. And people want to say, oh, it's a cardboard cut. I don't care. I know what I see. I know what I believe, and I believe that there is a, a ghost kid in the background of the film Three Men and a Baby, inexplicably directed by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, I just believe it. I will never not believe it. And if you know what I mean, you guys are getting, every time I talk about this in any kind of platform, people start sending me tweets. No, 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 it's a Ted Danson cardboard cutout. No, it's not. Ghost kid. It's a ghost kid. Look, people want to believe that we never landed on the moon. You're not going to talk them out of it by sending them some screen cap. All right? You're not going to send me anything. I know that kid is in there. I'm terrified of him. I have been my whole life. I always will be my whole life. And I will always be here in the basement waiting for you guys to come in, join us. Tomorrow, last show of the week, we'll preview an awesome Thursday night or the whole weekend. Thank you for your Say Anything calls. Thank you for your controversial superhero opinions. Just thank you for being you. Love you guys. See you later.